I'm super excited to talk to a guy who covers the NBA at an elite level. He, of course, is a senior writer at Sports Illustrated. He just wrote a piece on the Kings last week, put a couple of cool pieces on the Kings. He's the one and only Chris Herring. Chris, how you doing, man? Really good. I, I owe you an apology. I lost complete track of the time, and I was supposed to have joined you much earlier, so I really apologize for oh, that. Oh, you're totally fine. You're totally, you're, one, you're busy. It's probably more important than what we're doing here. We're just hanging out, so it, you're good, man. We're, we're happy to have you. I'm glad you're here anyway. Um, I, I'm curious. You just put out that story with the, about the Kings last week. I loved it. Uh, what inspired you to write about the Kings? Um, I'm I'm like anybody else, or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I. I, I take interest in stuff that doesn't happen much. Uh, I've got my telescope sitting outside and look for comets and whatever else or eclipses. And uh, frankly, those happen more often than the Kings make the playoffs these days. So <laughs> I wanted to, you know, I wanted to it's be so there. True. And I, I, if if I'm being honest, I mean, I reached out to the Kings PR staff in November, um, really interested to take a trip. I was about 15 minutes away from boarding a plane to, head out there before my editors kind of shouted at me for not following protocol to run all my travel by them first. Uh, but I was really excited then when they looked to be, if, if not legitimate, if not two seed level, then just maybe they will be 500. And I think that's, you know, that's noteworthy for them too. Um, they've looked like the most fun team to me all season. The irony for a while is that I think the only team that was even in that stratosphere for a while was Indiana, where obviously Tyrese Halliburton got sure. traded. But they were really fun, too, for the same reasons to start the season. And, uh, you know, the fact that they've held that up and actually kind of extended um, their lead for, you know, a a home court advantage seat or something like that only speaks to the fact that this is a really noteworthy team. It's kind of caught me off guard that more people aren't talking about them. But I think people, especially if you looked at the Kings second half schedule, were expecting them to kind of fall off a little bit, Um, particularly, you know, how much they struggle on defense, particularly the schedule getting harder. Sabonis uh, not having a whole lot of depth behind them, but they haven't. Um, to the credit of, of Mike Brown, to the credit of, of Fox, Sabonis, everybody else, um, they have continued to be the, the most fun team in the NBA to watch. So it's been a pleasure to watch them so far. What's made this Kings team so much fun to watch for you? I mean, them kind of daring defenses to stop them, for starters. I mean, they are exhausting to obviously for defenses to stay with uh, De'Aaron Fox was probably someone that never lost a race as a kid and um, just unfair that he can run faster with a basketball than probably most people can just um, straight up. Um, so there's that. And I, I think it's, you know, credit to Kings fans. And I think to the front office in general, that you make a trade like the one you make involving Terry's Halliburton, which, you know, for this year, it has been really nice for the Kings to, do what they've done. But I imagine the minute that the Pacers start to win at a higher clip. And if the Kings don't, I'm sure there'll be people saying we shouldn't have done that. Sure. Um, And you know, that's coming. And uh, even talking to Monty McNair, I think he probably knows that sort of thing is coming if it happens. Um, But the, the, the fit between DeMontis Sabonis and Kevin Herter, the fit between DeMontis Sabonis and Keegan Murray, who I, I find it fascinating that, Keegan Murray did not play in an offense that used handoffs at Iowa. Um, Yet, if you look at his numbers and how he performs off handoffs, um, he's basically the most efficient shooter in the league, a little bit more so than Steph Curry, a little bit more than Herter in a rookie season where he's just kind of learning the system. But these are guys flying off of DeMontis' shoulder 
and DeMontis just hitting guys. Um, and, and then when DeMontis is in the paint uh, by himself normally with a lot of real estate, daring guys to kind of try to stop him one-on-one when that's kind of what he wants. And uh, so it's it's just kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't pick your poison sort of offense for this team. A lot of spacing, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, a lot of screens. Um, and it's it's a different way to kind of accomplish some of the same stuff that the that the Warriors do, quite frankly. It's, it's not lost on me that Mike Brown came from there. What is lost on me a little bit, and I think lost on him, is that uh, he's a defense-minded coach. And uh, we weren't – I don't think anybody's really expecting the Kings to take off offensively and still struggle defensively, but that's the shape of the season for them. And uh, it's been very interesting to watch. Yeah, it has been. I mean, especially being in Sacramento, we're both born and raised in Sacramento. So not seeing playoffs in 16 years has been crazy. And the fact that going into this year, I think our expectations were like, all right, well, maybe play in, have a chance for a top six. And we are here in March talking about the fact that the Kings are the number two seed and can they actually hang on to it? It's weird to have that type of jump in one year. And I think it's even more strange the Kings were not like they were not a good offensive team last year. I think they were like 24, 25th in offensive rating and now they've got the best offensive rating in league history. It, it's it, it's kind of absurd. You know the the story with this team this year. Um do you think that this team could win a playoff series? I I think they can. Yeah. Uh first of all, when you talk about how absurd it is and how weird it is, it's also very weird to have a team, and I, I put this question in front of Monty and also in front of Mike Brown, that it's not often that you have to ask whether a two seed potentially can win a series. Sure. Uh, but it, it's also part of the reason that you are going to hear more. I would say give it another two weeks as stuff starts to settle in a little bit more with the standings. Um, you're going to hear plenty of stuff about teams wanting to target the Kings for um, for a playoff series because that is, you know, generally speaking, teams that don't have experience – aren't going to go that far in the playoffs. Um, and I expect that to happen. They, they do not play good defense for the most part. And so playoff defenses normally tighten up. What does that look like for the Kings? Um, no one's going to want to have to play against their offense. Uh, that that part is true. Uh, I was saying a couple days ago that I, because I used to cover the Knicks in New York for the Wall Street Journal, um, I still follow a lot of fans from their fan base just to kind of stay plugged into what they're thinking, what they're saying to know, you know, when they're really angry about something and watching the game Thursday night um, with a lot of Knicks fans on my timeline, they were like, what the hell? Like how, (laughs) why is the bonus just killing us? Why, why does it look like we're running in, in quicksand trying to run a quicksand and people nationally haven't seen this team. They're not on TV enough to do that unless you have league pass really uh so it will catch people off guard it has caught people off guard uh to the extent that people have seen them when their team plays against the kings um but it it is a little bit there is a little bit of distance just because i i do think some of these guys are going to have to avoid the trap that sometimes comes with like being a deer in the headlights so i thought it was a positive step for them that they played well on thursday to an extent they they did not play very well in the second half Mike Brown clearly was not happy that they, they seem to let their foot off the pedal. They've got possessions where the Knicks are grabbing six offensive rebounds or whatever they're doing. Uh, he was clearly upset about that. But the, it, it's hard to avoid sometimes that kind of deer-in-the-headlights feeling when so many guys haven't been there. I know Harrison has. I know DeMontis Sabonis has experienced the playoffs. Um, 
you know, I know there are other people that have, but it's it's still a relatively young team. Kevin Herter, obviously, as well. Um, but it's still a relatively young team. I understand why teams would want to gun for them, but it's also uh, the more distance they start to put between themselves and everybody else vying for home court. Um, I, I do think that some legitimacy will be there. And the reality is when you have a record-breaking offense, it's not going to be easy for anybody to stop. And so they will be interesting to watch. And I think there probably are some matchups that could be very advantageous for them if they do make it as a two seed. All right, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on the beam. Are you, are you like pro beam? Some <laughs> people are like, oh, that's corny. I think a lot of people like it, though. Do you like the beam that they fire into the sky? I mean, can, can we really harp on a, an organization, Thank a you. team, a fan base that hasn't won in 16 years? Chris made gets the it. 16 years. Like, if they didn't make if, – if this team wasn't going to make the playoffs, it would still give you guys something to, to be excited about. So I – I'm kind of over this like shaming of franchises, teams, particularly ones that have been uh, kind of at the bottom of the barrel for a while. People made fun of the the Timberwolves last year and Patrick Beverly and all these guys that were damn near crying when they want to play in game. I, I don't mind that. Like we, you don't get to talk about Kobe and these people and their authenticity on the court and how much they care on the court. And then when people care, you, you make fun of them for it. Even, even the, you know, the fans that now look really um, what's, you know, like Nostradamus, the, the summer league fans that yeah. were talking about the 40 wins, <laughs> you know, it, I, I'm happy for them in the same way that, you know, I, I don't care about the teams winning and losing necessarily. I, I more care about the fans uh, for the same reason that when I covered the Knicks for all this year, I was generally happy for the fans that they got to experience that after a long drought. Um, of a team just not being good. And uh, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for the fans of Sacramento. They deserve it. It was part of why I wanted to go and write the story there. I wrote a book. You, you can probably see it yeah. on my back shelf uh, called Blood in the Garden about the 90s Knicks. And um, everybody will tell you when you have success with a book, um, Strike While the Iron is Hot. And I had book editors, book publishers immediately asking me, like, what's the next book? What are you going to do next? And the Kings were one of the first ones that came to mind because Let's they have such a similar go. story arc. Uh, I, I did not decide to do that in some ways because I want to stretch myself a little bit and not just do something that kind of falls into the exact same pattern. Maybe at another point, I would I would love to do that. Uh, Chris, I was going to um, pitch that to you because eight winning seasons in 39 years, about to be the ninth winning season, the first eight of those came all under Rick Adelman. Think about yeah. all the losing and the pain and relocation. I mean, I know you're all aware of it, but it's crazy that this fan base is as rabid as they are with the lack of success. <laughs> and it's just it, this this town's different. I know you hear that a lot about a lot of fan bases in sports. Like, oh, this this different type of fan base. It really is. Like they're insane. It it's is. a one sports town, man. It, it it's it's a pride in in the fact that I think um like you said, the, the team was almost lost to another city yep. um, not more than once, really. Uh, there's that aspect. It's it's a one professional team town. It's in the shadows of a team that has recently kind of reeled off a dynasty. I don't know if you know if you could call it recently since they're the de- defending champs. I had people telling me when I talked to them on the phone that in your own airport in Sacramento that they, you know, up until the Kings started to win a little bit this year, they weren't selling Kings gear. They're <laughs> selling Warriors gear in the airports. Um there's so much, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk specifically for the story that I wrote to fans that had just like, what is it like to take a chance and roll the dice on season tickets? You know, and I talked to someone that I didn't ask him what he makes, but I imagine he didn't make a whole lot. He was a 
airport baggage um, handler. And he told me that he spent years trying to talk his wife into getting season tickets. They did it last season. And then last season was last season. And it's like, okay, the money wasn't there to do it. So you kind of took a chance to do it. And then when you did it, the team was so bad. And there was so much stuff going on between the, the, the talk of the record being broken for playoff droughts, the Halliburton trade, which at the moment, I get it. I, I think my own magazine graded the trade as a G and an H because those came after F. Oh, um, my. You know, so... You know, I understand that fans' reactions, the media reaction was the way it was. How are fans supposed to feel? And then you watch Halliburton do what he's doing. Uh, I know Sabonis is a very good player. He fits his team to AT. Yeah. So I get it. But, uh, I, you know, that sort of stuff, for fans to still be engaged and to still be hungry and thirsty for that, it's why the beam, I think, is great. And I, I'm really happy. I'm happy that people can be happy, genuinely. Um, and uh, so I'm very happy for the fans. And I'm, I tweeted it and I meant it. I, I plan to be out there for at least a playoff game or two, preferably the first one, just because yeah. I think that the, the atmosphere will be something like I've never seen before. Well, if you need any tips in Sacramento, yeah. we'll meet you at the game. We'll, we'll tell you the good coffee spots to go to. We, we're like, we should work for the city of Sacramento. Because anytime our friends from the NBA or other writers come to town, we're like, all right, this is where you need to go. Sacramento's cool, I yeah. promise. So I've been there before. Yeah. I, I was there in the previous uh, era, the previous arena. I'd been to this arena before. Yeah, but I don't know if you've uh, been. It's just been a couple of years. Have no, you actually no. been around? It's different than a playoff game. We have to it's like. It's going to be different than a playoff game. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's grown so much that there's like actually, there's, yeah, yeah. No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll show you. We'll show you the way, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. Seriously. Well, Chris, seriously, nice talking to you. I uh, appreciate you joining us. Thanks, uh, as always, uh, for providing amazing content for people. It, you do great work. So thank you so much. And hopefully we'll uh, see you soon. I really appreciate y'all. And again, sorry for being late. Oh, Thanks you're fine. Are- you're fine. Thank you so much, Chris.